championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. You're home for everything Lakers. Your Lakers just picked up a nice win over the Orlando Magic. Okay, a team that you'd expect them to beat. But still, the Lakers got a great performance out of LeBron James. The third quarter, how much fun was that? The Lakers got a win that, well, they kind of got to coast to. They took their foot off the gas quite a bit in the fourth quarter, but they wind up winning by 12. And this one, we're up by 25 at one point, but final score, 106 to 94. Lakers gotta like it again. I know it's the magic, so we can't get we can't get incredibly excited over. It's not like yes, the Lakers are back. This is a win over the best of the best. This is proof they finally found their way. No, but this is important. It's important that you pick up wins against the teams that you're supposed to beat. You've heard me say it on here before. You have to in the NBA. You have to beat the teams that you're supposed to. That's the key to playoff seating. By the way, I'm Trevor Lane for LakersNation.com. You guys can find me on social media at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram and Facebook. If you're joining me live from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. I'm going to be going over your questions and comments tonight. We'll be discussing everything that happened in this game. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you do follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. All right, let's start things off with the box score for this one because there are a lot. Oh, actually, I've got a few comments coming in here, a few Super Chats already. Somebody did a Super Chat and said, Anthony Diva should be the MVP of this game for not playing. You know what? Like, the Lakers the Lakers played well. The Lakers won. And then the immediate reaction is, no, we got to go negative again and say, see, see, this is proof. The Lakers don't need Anthony Davis. Trade him. Get rid of him. Really? Like, that's the reaction we're going to have after you beat the Orlando Magic? Now, look, if they they went on this huge winning streak without Anthony Davis and the offense looked better and the defense looked better and everything looked great and they're beating some of the top-tier teams in the NBA, okay, then maybe we'd have something to talk about, right? But Anthony Davis is objectively a good basketball player. I don't think this is evidence that the Lakers don't need Anthony Davis or anything like that. Frankly, I think that's a little bit ridiculous. All right. Let's get into some of the uh, stats here of the night. LeBron, triple-double, 30 points, 11 boards, 10 assists, three blocks. Three blocks, multiple chase-down blocks in this one, like the volleyball variety block where he goes up and fly-swats the ball out of bounds. Just a complete spike. That block on Cole Anthony was absolutely fantastic. One of the better ones we've seen from LeBron in a Lakers jersey. He was tremendous. He really brought the energy in the third quarter. Looked like... 25-year-old LeBron flying up and down the court. Absolutely phenomenal stuff from him. you got 19 from Russell Westbrook, including seven boards, five assists, two steals. Did have five turnovers as well. Nine for 18 shooting, though. Did hit 19. The over-under was 18. Our guy, Mark Gunnels, before the game today, we posted this a few hours before, gave the betting advice to go with the over for Russell Westbrook. It did hit. We were sweating it out a little bit, but did hit on that one. So if you bet along with Mark, then you made some money. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, six steals for THT. Yeah, using those go-go gadget arms, picking up the steals in this one. Nice performance from him. Best performance we've seen in a while. 19 points. Uh, again, six steals, three assists, three for six from three, seven of 14 shooting overall from him. And then you had Cole, uh, Carmelo Anthony, 13 points from him as well, three of five from three. Nice because he had been struggling a little bit 
in recent games. So nice to see that shooting touch uh, come through for him. Cole Anthony for the Magic, 21.6 boards, 5 assists. He's been really good for them this season. Franz Wagner, that's right, Moe's brother, 20.7 boards. He's a rookie. Uh, and Wendell Carter Jr. at 16, 8 points and a block for the Orlando Magic. All right, let's get into some more of your questions and comments. See what you guys have for me. Somebody said that block was fire. Yeah, that, that block from LeBron, that was absolutely tremendous. That was one of those jaw-dropping blocks where you just couldn't believe he just came from out of nowhere and fly swatted that thing. I mean, that is going to be one of the highlights of the season, I think. It's certainly the end of the year. We put together a highlight reel. That's going to be on it. That's going to be on it. That was such a phenomenal play from LeBron James. Uh, Mook Morris from YouTube said, Hey, Trevor, interesting question. If you can make any changes to the roster, what would it be? So changes to the roster. I've been saying for a while I would add another wing. I think they are short a wing player. We've been saying that since the offseason. So that's what I would add. I don't, I mean, you most likely have to do that via trade. Otherwise, somebody would have to get bought out. Uh, then you would have to go and wave somebody in order to open up that roster spot. But I think that's what they could use as another wing. Somebody ideally who could float maybe even a 4-5 player, somebody who could play a little bit of small ball 5. Uh, but I, I'm mostly concerned with another player to defend guys like Paul George, guys like Giannis, these, these bigger high-scoring wings. I think they could use somebody else like that. Uh, Al Coro, Trevor, how many wins in these next five games? I feel like these games will really show what we're about. All right, so let's get into the schedule here. So the Lakers, we had said they, that starting with the Grizzlies game, or no, I think it was the Celtics game, we thought they were going to go on a five-game win streak, starting with the Celtics game. Did not happen, though. They, they beat the Celtics, then lost to the Grizzlies. That was a horrible, horrible, no good, very bad night. That was not good. That game against the Grizzlies was awful. Awful, awful, awful. The bad Lakers showed up in full force. In that one. So they lost that one. Then they beat the Thunder. Now they beat the Magic. Next up is the Mavs. That showdown with Luka and Kristaps Porzingis and the Mavs. That's coming up on Wednesday. That's right. The Lakers get two days off, which means most likely I'd expect to see Anthony Davis back in action on Wednesday for that one. That's going to be at 6.30 on ESPN. So that game, if they can win that one, which I think is very possible, uh, that would be four out of five in that, that stretch that we were talking about. But from here, if we're talking about the next five, Dallas, Minnesota, Chicago, Phoenix, San Antonio, uh, if they went, I'm going to say they go th uh, three and two during that stretch. There's some tough opponents in there. Minnesota already beat them once this season. It is a road trip. Chicago, I just have no idea what that's going to look like because Chicago has nine players under health and safety protocol. Now, by next Sunday, when the Lakers play them, some of those guys might be out of it, but I think Zach Levine will still be under health and safety protocol by that point. Obviously, we know, based on what happened with LeBron, things can definitely shift and change and all of that, but just it's so hard to project what's going to happen in that game because we have no idea who's going to be available for Chicago and who's not. Chicago, by the way, their situation is such a mess right now with the health and safety protocols. And, you know, prayers up for them. Hopefully everything gets uh, gets better. They get healthy as quickly as possible. That's first and foremost. But they've even got, like Stanley Johnson, they picked up off the South Bay Lakers in order to be a replacement player for them. He, he got into health and safety protocols. They need replacements for their replacement players. That's how hurting for just healthy bodies the Chicago Bulls are right now. So that's a really tough situation to um, to really assess. 
Uh, other than that, then you go, you've got Phoenix. That's obviously a tough one. I would not expect the Lakers to win that game. The Phoenix Suns have been tremendous. If they win it, great. After that, you have San Antonio. Those are the five games leading up to the game against the Nets. Again, I would expect the Lakers to win against San Antonio, but it is a bit of a trap game because people are going to be looking ahead to the game against the Nets on Christmas Day. So San Antonio, that is a good opportunity to get a win after a few tough games, Chicago and Phoenix, but I could also see where the Lakers aren't mentally focused in a San Antonio game already looking ahead to the clash against the Nets, which is the one that people have been talking about since last offseason. So that's the way I see things. I think a pretty decent record there would be three and two. Again, they do have some quality opponents during that stretch. Uh, Kyrie Simon said, LeBron did what AD is supposed to do. Take over the game. Man, we've got so much venom for Anthony Davis. But look, LeBron did indeed take over the game. He took over completely. He dominated. He was doing everything. Matt, Matt the Optimist Peralta put it out there on Twitter that LeBron did all the things for the Lakers in the third quarter. He was passing the ball, picking up the assists, making the plays on the defensive end, scoring, doing everything you needed him to do. He was doing it. That's it. That's the secret. That's all the Lakers need to do moving forward. Just have LeBron do all the things. Forget about anybody else doing anything. LeBron, just do all the things, and the Lakers will be just fine. <laughs> Obviously not possible. But for the third quarter, LeBron certainly was doing everything for the Lakers. He took over, you know, in the first half, he made a couple of movements, had determination, had a look on his face, and I put out there on Twitter, I said, this looks like it could be another, quote, we're not going to lose game from LeBron, where he just says, nope, losing is not going to happen tonight because I'm going to take over. I'm going to make sure that we win this game, and that certainly is what wound up happening, although we haven't seen an outburst like this from him all season. This has been the best quarter anyway in that third quarter that we've seen from LeBron on the season the most energetic the most just absolutely vibrant version of LeBron James he was so fired up and it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun that third quarter was the most fun the Lakers have had in in a little bit and that was good to see Davis Painter did you see LeBron put on Wendell's glasses I didn't I missed that. I must have been doing tweeting or something like that at the time, but I missed that moment. I'll have to go back and check that out. Uh, Mook Morris, do you think a, a James Ennis could be a viable option for wing depth if we could free a roster spot? I've been saying I've been on the James Ennis trade since the offseason. I, I thought that James Ennis was going to be the guy the Lakers would go add. It seemed like he was doing everything he could to campaign for the Lakers to pick him up when they had an open roster spot. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. So at this point, I'm not holding my breath anymore. I look, he's probably the best wing that's still out there on the market. He's got the size, he's got the wingspan. He shot well from three last season. But you would also think he would be on an NBA roster right now, based on how many teams around the NBA need wings who can shoot the basketball. Um, you would think that somebody would have picked him up by this point, and there must be a reason why they haven't and why the Lakers haven't. As well, so I'm I'm not going to hold my breath on that one anymore. I don't think that the James Ennis the Lakers thing is ever going to happen. Uh, cryptic villain from YouTube, Trevor. The venom for AD exists because we were promised after the championship this would be his team, and he has not fulfilled his end of the bargain. Is somebody said this was going to be his team? I mean, look, I don't know that that's ever going to be the case while LeBron is playing, right? Like. LeBron, when he first came to the Lakers and, and when Anthony Davis came a year after, do you remember what that was all about? That was LeBron very overtly, very publicly said, 
this is going to be AD's team, right? But historically, has that ever been the case? Has that ever been the case where LeBron has gone somewhere and said, no, 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 it's going to be this guy's team. This guy's going to run the show. I'm going to step back a little bit because he's done that before. Has that ever really, in effect, happened? No, because he's LeBron James. It's it's what it usually winds up being LeBron's team anyway. And that's not just a Lakers thing. That's not just an Anthony Davis thing. And I'm not saying that Anthony Davis is free from criticism. No, no, there's, there's reasons to say that Anthony Davis hasn't been quite as good as you would expect him to be. Numbers-wise, he's still looked really good. Across the board, his numbers are still strong. Obviously, the three-point shooting being an exception to that. Uh, defensively, he's been solid. He's scoring in the paint way more. He's one of the top paint scorers in the NBA. He's still getting it done. It doesn't always look great, and he hasn't hit that level that we saw when they won the championship. He hasn't hit that version of Anthony Davis, and that's where people get frustrated. But I also think there's a weird thing going on here where Russell Westbrook kind of picked up his play and a lot of people who were shouting at Russell Westbrook and unhappy there kind of turned and started yelling at Anthony Davis now. Like he's just kind of the next guy. In a few weeks, it's going to be somebody else that people are going to be frustrated with. I Again, I understand we're not seeing that top tier Anthony Davis, but he's still really, really, really good. And so to assume that the Lakers are better without him or something like that, or they need to trade him or whatever, um, especially considering he's... As much as he gets gets picked on for not being very durable, aside from this last couple of games, he's been fairly durable for the Lakers this season. He's been there way more often than not. So I don't. I th- I just think some of the criticism on Anthony Davis goes a bit too far. It's as though people are looking at this season as just a total bust for him. Like he's been a net negative on the floor, just a guy that's killing them on a nightly basis because he just can't figure it out or something like that. I don't think that's what we've seen from Anthony Davis. Disappointing in that he hasn't been the top-tier, super version of himself that is just a destroyer of worlds, and we've seen that guy. So I understand the disappointment that he hasn't hit that level, but it's not like we're looking at a guy that just is absolutely, completely a bust, and his contract is now an albatross or something like that. And that's kind of the sense I'm getting from, from some Lakers fans with the frustration they're expressing towards AD. Let's see here. Uh, Caleb said, Trevor, do you think LeBron still has a chance at at MVP? I don't think so. I don't think at this point in the season, you've got a couple of guys that are so far ahead, especially when we look at Steph Curry, the start the Warriors have been on. I mean, the Lakers would have to go on a historic run for the rest of the season for LeBron to get the MVP award. Last season, I think, was his MVP. That was it. That was his shot to win the MVP award. And then he got hurt. Solomon Hill rolled up on his ankle. And that was that. Um, in all the polls, LeBron was the favorite to win it last year. And unfortunately, it didn't happen because of that injury. But um, yeah, I don't see it happening this year. Uh, Marley MJ said, Trevor, thoughts on Westbrook's turnovers again? So Westbrook's turnovers... Um, Some of them were not great. I thought Westbrook, he wasn't quite as bad as we've seen. Like the Memphis game, we went back to, oh no, beginning of the season, really bad, Russell Westbrook. We were somewhere in the middle here. We weren't the, it wasn't the good version of Russell Westbrook. Uh, The turnovers were a little bit high. A couple of them were bad, but he also wasn't, we've seen worse. We've seen worse from him. So I think that this was overall probably a step in the right direction. You did see him attacking the rim quite a bit. 
Um, finishing there as well. Again, shot 50% from the field. So I don't think that this was a terrible performance from him compared to what we've seen, but I don't think it was quite as good as we saw, you know, like a week and a half ago or so. Uh, I've got a question here from YouTube. How would you feel about trading for Marcus Smart? I like Marcus Smart a lot. I was hoping uh, that Marcus Smart would follow the Lakers in that draft when Julius Randle wound up being the seventh pick and Marcus Smart with the sixth. He was Marcus Smart was the guy I had an eye on. Obviously, Julius Randle has been great, uh, and that's worked out for other teams for the Knicks right now. But uh, Marcus Smart is definitely a guy that I like in terms of the, the defense first ability. I've always thought of him as kind of like a guard version of Meta World Peace. That's kind of that's essentially what his game is. So I like the fit, but I don't. Number one, I don't see the Celtics trading with the Lakers anytime soon. That hasn't happened. In almost 20 years now, uh, since the Celtics have traded with the Lakers, that happened way back in the day. I believe that was a, who was it that was in that trade? That was like Chucky Atkins and and Jermaine Jones and I want to say Chris Mim. Chris Mim for Rick Fox and, and Gary Payton. Was that the deal? Something like that. Anyway, it's been a long time. So number one, I don't think the Celtics are trading with the Lakers. Uh, again, that's not something that usually happens. But then I also don't think they're trading Marcus Smart. They, if they were, they'd be trying to upgrade to a star level player if the Celtics could do that. And the Lakers obviously aren't going to be able to offer that. Patricia Lewis. Hey, Trevor, why hasn't Trevor Ariza come back? So everything we've heard about Ariza is so far so good in terms of the recovery. It's just a matter of getting his legs under him now, getting his body used to running up and down the court getting his wind bad, his conditioning. Remember, with an ankle injury, the downside of it, I mean, there's a lot of downsides, but the really tough thing is you can't run. So like Taylor Horton Tucker hurts his thumb, he can still get out there and run. He can still do conditioning. It's his hand that's hurt. So when his hand is fixed and it's good to go, it's easier for him to step back out on the court and, and have his conditioning up and be able to do all the things physically he needs to do. With Ariza, with the ankle, it just takes a little more time to get built up, but he's returned to practice fully. Who knows? Maybe we see him on Wednesday. I mean, the Lakers have two days off now before they play again. It's possible. He'll be back soon. Any news on Nunn? Should we still print his picture on milk cartons? Uh, so Kendrick Nunn, we had uh, a little bit of an update on him from Frank Vogel. Vogel, uh, this was about a week ago now, said, don't expect him this year. Now, not this season. I mean, this calendar year. So that means we won't see him until January. So it's still going to be a bit for Kendrick Nunn. Uh, again, the Lakers have been pretty tight-lipped in terms of the prognosis, but we know it's a bone bruise. Sometimes those take a while to heal, and that's it. That's all we've got on Kendrick Nunn right now. Tobias Clayton from YouTube said, Lakers almost gave us a mini heart attack in the fourth. I had flashbacks. Yeah, look, the Lakers definitely took their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. But remember, they were up 25. Don't forget, you look at the third quarter, they were absolutely fantastic in the third. In fact, they won the third quarter. What they what they wind up winning it by? It was like 25, I think. Yeah, they won 36 to 10. They won the third quarter 36 to 10. And then they actually lost the fourth uh 32 to 21. So they took their foot off the gas in the fourth, but they were up so much that it didn't matter. But I understand when it got down to 10, when the Orlando Magic got it down to 10 why we all kind of collectively held our breath. And the downside of that, unfortunately, because the Magic were able to come back, that meant LeBron had to play 
in the fourth quarter. Russell Westbrook had to play in the fourth quarter, whereas if the bench had been able to hold off that run from Orlando, we might not have seen LeBron for the bulk of the fourth quarter. You might have had an opportunity to rest him there. So that's an opportunity to miss there. <laughs> Somebody said, Trevor, nice game by THT. He's making a good trade value for Miles Turner. Yeah, I mean, look, if the if the Lakers... If the Lakers really do want Miles Turner, and I'm not sure I'm 100% in on that, but that's a there's been a buzz around that for a few years now that the Lakers have been a team that have been checking in on Miles Turner. It's something that we've heard not this season, but previous seasons. If that interest in Miles Turner is still there, Taylor Horton Tucker would have to be part of the package. However, Taylor Horton Tucker can't be traded till the middle of January. It's not December 15th for THT, it's January 15th for him. Yeah, because of a specific rule with the way that uh, that his contract was signed, because it was signed using bird rights, the Lakers were already an over-the-cap team. Uh, because of that, he's he's until January fifteenth. So unless I'm misreading something in the in the CBA, it's January fifteenth for THT. So don't expect that to happen like next week when we hit the fifteenth, or in just a few days here when we hit the fifteenth. Uh, and a good chunk of the NBA becomes tradable. Taylor Horton Tucker will not be on that list of tradable players, and he would have to be part of a trade for Miles Turner because you would need a salary to get there uh, to that $18 million that Turner is going to make this season. Uh, again, though, I'm not 100% sold that Turner is the piece that the Lakers desperately need because he's not that wing defender that I think they're looking for. Alcoro, DJ, and Wayne Ellington's few minutes messes up the rotation, so why play? So DeAndre Jordan, this one, played 10. Wayne Ellington played 7. I think Frank Vogel, once the Lakers got hot, especially in the third, he changed his rotation. And so that's that's why the minutes look a little bit wonky when you look at like Wayne Ellington, because everything was clicking. See, when you're a coach and things start to click, I think one of the criticisms of Vogel has been a guy gets hot and then Vogel just sticks with his substitution pattern anyway and will pull that guy when he's on a heater, which you don't want to do. Um, and so I think Vogel switched up his rotation, and that's why you see the minutes pretty down for Ellington. Uh, as far as DeAndre Jordan, though, 10 minutes, that's probably part of the game plan for him is just to play 10 minutes, and that's that's about it. Maybe he lost a few minutes when LeBron got going, and so you saw some more LeBron center minutes. But I don't think the Lakers went into this game saying, no AD, Dwight, you're getting 20 minutes at center. DeAndre, you're getting 20 minutes. And LeBron's going to get the remaining eight. I don't think that was the game plan going in. I think going in, they knew LeBron was going to play a decent amount of center minutes in this one. Speaking of which, we do need to do the 360 award. I mean, it's obvious, but officially, you guys all know. The 360 award, it's going to LeBron James. Anthony Davis did not play. Sounds like there's a good chance he plays on Wednesday. Russell Westbrook thought he was okay, but LeBron was fantastic. So very clearly, this is an easy one. There's not even any debate or anything like that. This was maybe the best LeBron performance of the season because of the energy that he brought. He really picked up the entire team, made some fantastic plays. It was a throwback performance for LeBron James. And so unquestionably, he is the 360 award winner tonight. He was absolutely phenomenal. This is one of those LeBron games where you're watching it just going, man, thank God he is on our team. That guy is a monster when he gets on a run like this. So incredible. Just amazing what we saw from him tonight. Again, on both ends of the floor, he provided everything in that third quarter on offense and defense. Amazing the way he just took over this game.
Bobby mentality. THD, how many steals today? Six. Six steals. Uh, somebody said, Trevor, how about the refs for not reviewing that play on the timeout? That was a mess. That was a mess. The Lakers called timeout. Frank Vogel signaled for the review, and the refs just didn't do the review. Now, fortunately, again, it didn't wind up mattering, but that was definitely a mistake by the officials. If this was a close game, we'd be talking about this a lot more, but fortunately it wasn't. Uh, it was definitely an error there, though, by the referees in that situation. Somebody said, when will Chris the Masterpiece Masters return? Don't worry, guys. Chris, again, I'm talking to Chris multiple times every single week. He and I are texting back and forth and all that. It's just a matter of his wrestling schedule working out for him to be back on our show. But he is very much still in the mix. Let's see. Somebody said LeBron had 30 and 6 of the last eight games. He's been carrying the load. Yeah, I mean, look, LeBron has really stepped it up here. And part of this is LeBron's been talking about each game, how he's feeling a little bit healthier and a little bit healthier. And part of that is recovering from that injury. And then right when he felt like he was ramping up, he got hit by that bogus health and safety protocol designation where it was a false positive. And so he felt like that completely took him out of his rhythm. So now each game, he feels like he's getting back on track. At least that's the way he's explained it. And so he's starting to feel better and really hit his stride. And that's what we're seeing. From LeBron James. That's part of why he's scoring 30. It's not just, oh my gosh, the Lakers are sinking. And so LeBron's having to do all this work and, and all of these things. To a degree, yes, the Lakers need LeBron to really get going. But it's also just that's physically where he's at. He's starting to feel healthier. And so we're seeing these stronger and stronger performances from him. Somebody said THC really had seven steals. Did he? In the I, If he had seven, I missed it. But in the... Uh, the stat sheet that I'm looking at here, he's got six. He's got six. Maybe that gets updated. Uh, Dan from YouTube with a super chat said, 80 is good, but could get a big return for him. We're not winning a title as currently constructed, so why not? 80's health is always a concern, and he's soft. So if you did, so first of all, let's remember that it's not just, oh, we don't like this player, so let's go trade him. It's not like, I see this a lot, and I'm trying to phrase my words correctly here, but Lakers fans, and this isn't unique to Lakers fans, but we look at a player and we say, that player's underperforming, trade him. If a player is underperforming, aren't you then selling low on that player? Like, what makes you think if a player's not playing well? Like, I can't tell you how many times I had people messaging me saying, trade Westbrook, get rid of him, trade him, right? Back in October, I was getting so many trade Westbrook comments. First of all, forget the, the fact that he's almost on an untradeable contract, but what makes you think if Lakers fans are frustrated with him that another team would look at him and go, oh, that's what I want. Yes, give me that guy and let me give you something great for him. So if you're down on Anthony Davis and you're saying, oh, he's no good and the Lakers are better without him and you're saying trade him, he's so bad you need to just get rid of him, which I don't buy for a minute. But if you're saying that, if that's your mentality right now, is he's just so bad the Lakers have to get rid of him, you must not be expecting much in return. Or are you thinking, if he's really that bad, that another team out there is going to look and say, oh, that guy's terrible, we want him. It takes two teams to trade. Not every general manager in the NBA is a dummy. Now, that being said, if you really did put Anthony Davis on the market, yes, there would be strong interest around the NBA. But... 
you have to remember that more goes into a trade than just this is player A's salary, this is player B's salary. We think that player is going to make us better. So here, you take that player, you take this guy, we'll take that guy, and off we go. There's a lot that goes into a trade, and don't forget, it's not. it goes beyond even just this owner signs off, that owner signs off, and those things can get complicated as well. But there's also agencies that are wrapped up in this. Remember, Anthony Davis is a clutch sports client. If you go and put AD on the trade market right now, if you're the Lakers, you're burning some bridges there. You're changing relationships that you've spent a lot of time and a lot of years building. And you're also telling Anthony Davis, who you've won a championship with, who has put down roots in Los Angeles, who has committed to the Lakers long term, we don't want you anymore. There are repercussions to that that go beyond just the trade itself, right? You change relationships. You also send a message around the NBA about the way that you conduct business. The Lakers have worked very, very hard for years now, going all the way back to Kobe, to make sure that they cultivate an image of a team that takes care of their stars. I think it was a factor in LeBron James coming to the Lakers. You look at the contract, that last contract they gave Kobe, how many people were telling the Lakers they were dumb for doing that, for giving them that much money? What was it, $48 million over two years? How ridiculous it was that Kobe on his last legs would be getting that much money. But it also, and yes, maybe that based on his on-court production, that probably was an overpay. But it also sent the message around the NBA that, hey, we take care of our stars. Players notice that kind of stuff. So it's easy to just say, oh, I don't like this player, knee-jerk reaction, trade him. But it's a much, much bigger process when you're talking about a star-level player than, than that. It's not as easy as just sending a fantasy trade and saying, go ahead, hit the accept button. There's so much more wrapped in this that you got to consider. Matt Riggs, Reeves continues to impress. Do you think he will be part of Frank Vogel's playoff rotation? Yeah, you know what? I did a video on this the other day. Austin Reeves, Frank Vogel had incredibly high praise for him the other day. And Frank Vogel, I thought Reeves was solid this game. This He had a few moments where he didn't look as good. One of four shooting tonight, four boards, one assist. He was a minus two on the night, five points. 25 minutes of playing time, though. Frank Vogel essentially said, look, Reeves got hit with that injury. And remember, we've heard that Reeves, I've heard that Reeves was going to start. That was the plan. Right before he got hurt, he was going to move into the starting lineup. Then he got hurt. It was a hamstring injury. Frank Vogel, after last game, said that was what he was waiting for, to sort of unleash Austin Reeves and start giving him big minutes. Was waiting for that really strong performance where Reeves proved that he was fully back from the injury. And he got that last game, and so here we are tonight, 25 minutes for Austin Reeves. So it does feel like Reeves has cemented a spot in the Lakers rotation. And obviously, as a rookie, you can hit what's called the rookie wall as we go through the season. It's possible he hits that. You never know. But if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, yes, Reeves is part of the rotation. It's very clear Frank Vogel was as open with it as we've heard him be. He is typically a guy who doesn't like to reveal his future plans. He doesn't even reveal his starting five until the last minute, until when he absolutely has to, until the NBA forces him to reveal his starting five. Frank Vogel doesn't reveal it up until that drop dead point. That's the way he likes to coach. And he specifically singled out Austin Reeves as a guy that he was waiting for the moment to make him an even bigger part of the rotation. So I think that's important. And I think that he will indeed be part of the rotation moving forward unless something happens. If he does hit that rookie wall or something like that. But I think Vogel likes a lot of what Austin Reeves brings. 
And for good reason. He's been very good. Let's see what else we've got here. <laughs> Somebody said, Bruce Barnes from YouTube says, I don't, I'm assuming he's responding to the Anthony Davis situation, said, I don't know, Trevor, there are guys that are unhappy with their girlfriend's performance, but I'd still swoop in there anyway. And I mean, you do you. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think that says more about, more about you than anything about, uh, about Anthony Davis there, but uh, <laughs> good comment there. Uh, somebody, Malcolm Carway said, uh, no, this was uh, heavyweight, said, Trevor, is Jeremy Grant a realistic option, even though he has a thumb injury? Jeremy Grant, I think, would probably be the ideal player to go after. That's kind of the type of guy that I'm thinking of when I look at trades for the Lakers, potentially. If that's really something that's out there, we know our buddy Eric Pincus uh, mentioned a trade like that. He was just stacking up the numbers, not saying this is a real rumor that's out there. But it, like, if you told me you can have either Jeremy Grant or Miles Turner for the same trade package, I'd probably go Jeremy Grant because I feel like that's a better fit for what the Lakers need right now. Let's do the uh, let's do the next man up award. Let's get to that one. So the next man up for the night, and this is a rarity. This guy's been master locked more than he's been given the next man up. But great performance, Taylor Horton Tucker. Six steals, 19 points, plus 14 on the night. Tied for the team high in plus minus. Only one rebound, which isn't great. But again, three assists, six steals, three for six shooting from three. That's the important thing. That's, out of everything that Taylor Horton Tucker did tonight, the most important thing is that three-point shooting. Because remember, the Lakers starting five, right now Vogel has stuck with Avery Bradley and THT in the starting lineup. And that is Pretty barren in terms of three-point shooting, in terms of spacing. Avery Bradley can knock them down and shot them in a decent clip this season, but teams don't really respect him from behind the arc. Tonight, he was two for five, just fine, 40% from three. You will absolutely take that. But teams don't tend to close out on him as though he is a knockdown shooter. Taylor Horton Tucker, they really don't close out on. They really just leave him because he was been, he's been terrible shooting the three this season. And that was something that he was supposed to have worked on all off season, But again, remember, tears a ligament in the thumb of his shooting hand that can undo some of the work that you've needed to put in over the offseason. So tonight was a nice step. I'm not going to say, oh, his shot is fixed. He's, he's a great three-point shooter now. Frank Vogel did express confidence recently that THT will indeed be a plus three-point shooter uh, heading into the future. That that's what is in his future, that he's going to be a, a positive from behind the arc. We haven't seen it for a season yet, but this is a good start. Okay, we'll see. One game does not make a breakout shooting performance by any means, but three for six, it's noteworthy because, well, frankly, he shot poorly for most of the season. Uh, Trevor, we missed out on some good trades because the Lakers have this big belief in THT and refuse to include him in trade packages. I don't see his growth. So I think there's definitely been growth from THT, particularly if you've been watching him 
from way back when, like I'm talking about not last season, but the season before, if you've been watching where he was when he was with the South Bay Lakers, where you would just see flashes of his potential, but also a ton of mistakes along the way, he's grown a lot. He's a very different player than he was back then, which rightly so. I mean, he's a young player. Young players are sponges. All we've heard from the Lakers is they love his work ethic. They love the potential that he's got moving forward. They're big believers in him. And yes, they ultimately decided not to trade him when the deal was on the table last year at the trade deadline to trade Dennis Schroeder, KCP, and THT and get Kyle Lowry. The Lakers ultimately said no, that deal. You'd have to imagine right now, the Lakers would probably not have Russell Westbrook. They'd probably have Kyle Lowry instead on the roster because they probably would have re-signed him this offseason. Again, you never know, but things would look very different had they done that trade. And you can argue, oh, they should have done it or they shouldn't have done it or whatever. But yeah, the Lakers have largely invested in Taylor Horton Tucker. They paid him this offseason. They made him their fourth highest paid player. They have a lot of belief in him. Nights like tonight show you why. Nights like the first three games back from injury. He was incredible. We see these flashes from him. He just hasn't put it together consistently yet. But the Lakers seem to believe that he will, that that is in his future, that he is going to be that caliber of player. We'll see if he gets there. If he doesn't, then yes, we'll look back and say, well, you know what? They blew it. They probably should have put him in a trade package and moved him while he still had potential. The NBA has plenty of guys throughout its history that never lived up to their potential, that people were excited about and just never really got going. That happens. But I can also say that if THT plays the way that the Lakers think he can this season or next season, he's going to be a bargain on that contract. That's the gamble the Lakers were willing to take. And I'm sure part of it is, yes, LeBron found THT. He's a clutch sports client. Yeah, those things probably are factors as well. But the Lakers have a strong belief in him, and we'll just have to wait to see if they're right. Let's see what else we've got going here. We do need to get into the master lock of the night. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but we will get there in just a moment. So start thinking about who would be put in the master lock. Um, Jeff Sherald said, do we think Anthony Davis is actually injured or is he taking a mental slash physical break? Seems odd that he sits after all the recent slander and the news came out about no structural damage to his knee. You know what? I'll be honest, that hasn't really crossed my mind that he might just be making it up, making up an injury in order to sit out. I'd be surprised if that was the case. Um, he's talked an awful lot about you know wanting to help the team get back on track and he's called guys out. He's talked about where they need to be. And he's, you know, I would be surprised if that was if that was the case. Again, it's not something that's even really crossed my mind. It's something that I thought that he would actually do um is it possible the lakers told him hey we you know if you were dealing with knee issues maybe he would have played he probably would have played tonight if it was a playoff game right but they just told him hey let's give you another day especially because he has two days off now until they play again on wednesday so i think the schedule is a factor there too um i think yeah i think that's possible i think it's possible that the lakers said well you know let's just be cautious and rest when maybe he could play if the knee's bugging him at all. Because what you don't want to do is your knee's bugging you a little bit. 
you go out there and play, you compensate for it. And because you're compensating for that, you wind up with another injury because your body's moving differently than you normally would. So sometimes we see that happen where one kind of little nagging injury puts you at a higher risk for another injury, and then you can get yourself into some trouble. So maybe that's the path the Lakers went down. We don't really know for sure, though. But again, it Anthony Davis just making it up because he didn't feel like playing or putting that out there. That's it sounds a little far fetched to me. Uh, they should have kept Kuzma, kept Caruso, and traded THT while his value was higher and not signed all these gimpy players. Bazemore, Jordan, Ellington, Nunn, and Ariza. Uh, okay, so keeping Kuzma, keeping so you're saying not trade for Russell Westbrook, essentially. That's that's what you're saying. Because trading THT and keeping Caruso, that necessarily wouldn't have changed the Lakers' current position where they only could take on veteran minimum guys, right? That's the position. Essentially, when the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook, they committed to building a team around three big stars and a bunch of veteran minimum guys. Now, they could have still signed Caruso. They had his bird rights. They still could have signed Caruso. They chose not to, but they did sign THT. So we can argue, oh, they should have signed Caruso instead of THT, or maybe they, they did the right thing by keeping THT over Caruso. You can make those arguments. That's fine. Uh, but it was the, the Westbrook trade that really caused them to have to go after veteran minimum guys to fill out their roster. That was what they decided. Based on that parameter that they really, aside from the mini mid-level, which was given to Kendrick Nunn, and we haven't seen this season due to injury, uh, based on that parameter that they only had veteran minimums to give, I still think Rob Polinka did a pretty good job assembling some talent, right? Carmelo Anthony is worth more than a veteran minimum. Malik Monk is worth more than, than a veteran minimum. Now, there's some guys who haven't been. DeAndre Jordan's not been great, great, right? So there's been some guys who haven't quite lived up to what we hoped they would. There's been some guys who have looked more like veteran minimum players. There have been a number of guys who have played better than a veteran minimum. But that was the reality when the Lakers made that decision. Now, if you want to go back and undo some of that, you could argue that, well, you know what? If the Lakers would just run it back from last year, they'd probably be better right now. And I think you can make a really strong argument that they would have been. But... The Lakers have been operating under this three-star idea for years now. That's been the goal, has been to have three stars. Remember, you go way back when LeBron first came to the Lakers. The idea was, you're not just getting LeBron, you're going to get LeBron and Paul George. That was the ideal situation. Get LeBron and Paul George, and then still have all the kids, Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart, all those pieces, right? Still have all those young guys to maybe trade for another star down the road. Maybe it's Anthony Davis still. That has been, from day one, from the moment Le LeBron walked in, the goal has been three stars. And so the Lakers had an opportunity to bring in somebody in Russell Westbrook. And again, you can argue that that wasn't the right move. He's not the right guy. Whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this has been the Lakers' plan for years now, has been to have three stars. And they finally had an opportunity to do it. Again, you can quibble over whether or not Russell Westbrook is a superstar right now. But that was the path they decided to go down because it's been the goal for a long time. That had to be a factor. Um, and when they did that, that limited them to veteran minimum contracts. And that's why you see a roster that's very top heavy. But again, the Lakers made that choice. They knew exactly what they were getting into.
Somebody said, when are we going to see Chandy Brown? I don't know. He's every game, every game. The Lakers put out a report every game, the injury report on who's playing. And right now, every injury report will say Kendrick Nunn, Trevor Ariza out, list their injuries. It'll list questionable Anthony Davis, questionable LeBron, whatever. And then it'll say two-way contracts, Jay Huff, Chandy Brown with South Bay Lakers. They haven't been called up to play yet. They just haven't been. So right now, we just haven't seen him. He's sticking with the South Bay Lakers. The Lakers haven't called him up at this point. Uh, Trevor, thoughts on trading DeAndre Jordan, Bazemore, and some second-round picks for Justin Holiday? And what about Jay Huff? Sign me up. Yeah, I would do that. I would definitely do that. I think Justin Holiday is an interesting wing piece that could help the Lakers. And if Bazemore's not going to get minutes anyway, and DeAndre Jordan is now out of the rotation, uh, I would do that. And I like that it opens up a roster spot so that if you then have an opportunity to get somebody off the buyout market, now you've got a roster spot to do so. So, and I haven't looked at Justin Holiday's contract, so I'd, I'd have to go in and look and see if that's even, the math even works on that. But just knee-jerk reaction, that would be a home run for the Lakers. I don't know why the Pacers would do that. Do they really just want second rounders? They would probably wait to get more for Justin Holiday. Um, even as just a throw-in. Let me see what his I'm pretty sure he has a contract that's a little bit bigger than that. Let me see what we got here with Justin Holiday. Oh, he's at six million. Okay. A little bit lower than I thought. So yeah, that actually probably would work. I'd be okay with that. Uh, hey, Trevor, why didn't we like Devontae Kaycock? Uh, so Devontae Kaycock, the, the, he had already been under contract under two-way deals for the Lakers for two years. So they had to make a decision. You're either going to give him a full roster spot or you're going to let him go. And there was something that Devontae Kaycock could never overcome, and that was his size. He's just not that big. Uh, to be a center. And that's what he is right now. He's a center. And that's why they ultimately just, he just never stuck. He just didn't have the size that they wanted. I mean, the Lakers saw Montrezl Harrell, who's been playing great this season, don't get me wrong, but the Lakers saw the limitations of having an undersized center, especially compared to what they had the season before when you had two true bigs in, uh, in Javale and Dwight Howard. And so to me, it made sense to move on from Devontae Kickoff, who I, I like a lot. Um, he plays hard every single play. He competes, but it's just, he's never going to be seven foot. He's never going to be that. And so you're probably better off looking elsewhere and seeing what else you can find. And so he moved on. Uh, James Jones, by the playoffs, the Lakers rotation will be nine to 10 guys. So there won't be any need for all these other guys. That's true to a degree. So the Lakers come playoff time. The rotation's definitely going to be trimmed down. Every team does that. Every team trims down their rotation come playoff time, right? The guys that you need to get you through an 82 game marathon aren't always the same guys that you need to get through the playoffs, right? Where every possession matters and, and all of that. So that's true. However, Frank Vogel is also a coach who wants flexibility because we've seen this from him. He likes to adjust to each and every matchup. That's why you saw when they won the championship. You saw in some series, it was Dwight and JaVale playing. In other series, he went to the guy they just got off of um, 
the buyout market, Markeep Morris, they went to him starting off the buyout market. They brought him in because they wanted to go smaller. Use that in some matchups, like against uh, the, the, the Houston Rockets. And then against the Denver Nuggets, you needed that size. And so you go to Dwight, you go to JaVale, you go to the big guys. And then against the Miami Heat, he mixed and matched a lot. And then game six against the Heat, he went small, brought in Alex Caruso into the mix off the bench. Frank Vogel likes to have the option to play a lot of different styles and to mix and match a bit. And so, yes, you're right. The rotation gets shortened to come playoff time. But what you want is a lot of different skill sets. So you have different options in terms of how to play. The teams who get beat, like the Houston Rockets back then, right? Remember the Rockets committed a small ball. No center. Get rid of Clinton Capella, exile him, no center. That way, Russell Westbrook can drive to the rim. The Rockets had one way to play. One way, and that was it. That was small. If you beat that, that's it. They're done. Nothing else they can do. The Lakers prided themselves on being able to adjust at whatever anybody threw at them. That's the way Frank Vogel likes to coach. And I, I mean, it's a pretty ideal situation to be in, right? No matter what, we've got a counter for what the other team's going to throw at us. So while, yes, the playoff rotation is going to get trimmed down come that time of year, it's still important that you've got versatility on your roster because you don't the, those 9 to 10 guys that you use in a playoff series might not be the same guys from series to series, depending on what each series calls for. Uh, Avb, why are we allergic to 6 foot 6, 3 and D guys? Uncanny. I know. I know. It drives me crazy, too. Ideally, yes, you would have a bunch of, you would have LeBron and Russ and an AD and a bunch of Danny Greens, right? Like that, that would probably be the ideal roster here. It's a bunch of guys who are 6'6", can shoot the three, play good defense, switchy, read the court. That's that's what you want. And I'm not saying literally clone Danny Green. You would need some other skill sets in there and things like that. But yes, ideally, you would have a lot more wings on the roster. However, part of the problem is the Lakers, again, only had, only had, the veteran minimum, aside from the mini mid-level, which they gave to Kendrick Nunn, most of the guys who are 6'6", can shoot threes, and play defense are getting paid a lot because a lot of teams in the in the NBA want those guys. So finding those guys with veteran minimum deals, not easy. All right. Let's get into the master lock of the night. So you guys know, if you've been with this show for a while now, the way this works, we take whatever was the most annoying thing from this game, we put it in Chris the Masterpiece Masters, our good friend, his finishing hold in the wrestling th wrestling ring, which is the Master Lock. It's a nice way to vent a little bit, let out a little bit of frustration. So Lakers Nation, let me know your thoughts. Coming in from YouTube, from Twitter, from Facebook, what or who from tonight would you put in the Master Lock? Let me know. Let me see. What comments are coming in here? I've got people saying master lock the injuries. Master lock Wendell Carter threes. Master lock Chris Masters for not coming on the show. I don't, is that even physically possible? Chris master lock himself? I don't know. Referees. Seeing more referees. Master lock the fourth quarter. The refs denying the challenge. That's a good one. Somebody said, I don't know who. Yeah, there wasn't anything that was necessarily too infuriating in this one. I thought the Lakers didn't come out with 
they didn't have a lot of energy through the first. Like, as great as the third quarter was, uh, Dan from YouTube said, Masterlock, the start of the fourth quarter. Yeah, so the Lakers started the game very well, forced some turnovers in the first couple of minutes of the first quarter, and then completely let off the gas, and the Magic went on. The Magic were up after one quarter, and the Magic were up a little bit at halftime as well. Then the Lakers blew up in the third, and that essentially decided the game. But then the fourth came around, and they took their foot off the gas again. So I think if I was going to master lock anything, it would be that roller coaster effect. The Lakers really, really blew up in the third. And I mean, it was to another level. It wasn't like they just flipped the switch or something like that. Like they weren't trying before and suddenly, like things broke right for them in the third. They brought energy. It was great to see. But, but we've also seen this team give up some big leads and they definitely took their foot off the gas in the fourth. So that's something to be a little bit wary of because this has happened to them before where they've had a big lead and then they've, just said, oh, okay, we're good. We're going to coast to the finish line. Now, tonight, they had enough of a cushion, enough of a lead to where they could coast to the finish line. And it didn't matter. I mean, the Magic threatened a little bit, but it was still a missed opportunity because LeBron didn't need to play 37 minutes tonight. If the bench had held the lead a little bit or stopped the Magic from going on a run, you could have seen LeBron, Russell Westbrook, they could have rested the bulk of the fourth quarter. The Lakers were up like 25 at one point. And that lead got cut into. So I think you missed an opportunity there. So completely taking your foot off the gas slash, you know, the bench not holding a lead. That's what I would master lock in this one. Master lock Wendell Carter's glasses. Man, he got hit. Dwight hit him in the face and it, those glasses went flying. That did not look like that felt good. Oh, master lock people who are saying they want to trade Anthony Davis. <laughs> Masterlock Mello's playing time. Uh, Lem Aritol said, Masterlock Russ, even though he scored 19 points, many miscues and missed shots on point-blank range really disgust me. Yeah, I mean, look. So, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook tonight shot 50% from the field. So, I can't say this was like a terrible shooting night from him. The problem is... Russ, it's almost a little bit of an Andre Drummond effect. We talked about this a lot last season, where Andre Drummond, the mistakes he made were very loud mistakes. So even when overall, over the course of a game, he would have a pretty good game, people would think he was terrible because he would miss a wide open dunk. It would just slip out of his hands or he would miss a perfectly thrown lob, something like that. He would turn the ball over in the paint on a spin move and the other team would go flying the other way and score these very loud mistakes. And it would over, it would eclipse the other positives that he brought. That was, that's kind of rust to a degree because when he does miss at the rim, it really stands out. Whereas when he makes it, it doesn't stick in our minds because, oh, it was a layup. He's supposed to make that. And I get it. Look, he's not supposed to miss layups to begin with, right? You should make almost all your layups, but still on a night when he shot 50% from the field, it feels a little weird to complain about him missing some easy ones. He missed one in the fourth, but the game was already decided at that point. Overall, I thought Russ scored fairly efficiently. Um, he's not going to be this insanely efficient scorer at the basket, like Montrez Harrell, right? Makes up for some of the size disadvantage that he's at by being ridiculously efficient, scoring at the rim. He's great at it. I, I've said it for a while. If Montrezl Harrell was seven feet tall, he's an all-star, but he's not. So 
Russell Westbrook is not that efficient scoring at the rim, but he gets there a lot. He puts pressure on a defense to, to cover him, to deal with those drives to the basket. And again, tonight, 9 for 18, we're going to remember the misses. But a 50% shooting night from the field, I can't be too upset with that. Masterlock Crypto Center, that's right. It officially changes names on Christmas Day to Crypto Center. Crypto.com Arena. All right, guys. Let's do one more and then we'll call it a night. Uh, Ryan Howe. Trevor, how good is Ariza at this point? Is he better than anyone available or who will become available after the 15th? Uh, is he better than somebody who might be available via trade? We don't know who's going to be available. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know if he's better than that. And we got to see what he looks like post ankle surgery. How long will it take him to ramp up? I think what's important about Ariza is his skill set. Being a big wing, being a guy who... He's not a great three-point shooter, but he can shoot league average. He can stretch the floor for you a little bit. But having the size and the defensive versatility, that's really what the Lakers have lacked. And so his skill set is really important. But I also don't think Trevor Ariza, it's not like he's Trevor Ariza, 28-year-old version of, of himself. That's not what you're getting. So I'm not looking at him thinking, oh, man, the Lakers have got an all-star healing up here that's going to be back. No, but skill set-wise, they've got something that they really need in Ariza. All right, last one. Super chat from Avi B. So do you think Palinka regrets letting Alex Caruso walk? I don't know what the... the it was the decision Palinka's to let him walk? Or was it a financial decision made by the Lakers organizationally, right? Remember, the Lakers are in the luxury tax. So Caruso isn't just going to cost the Lakers the amount of his contract. He was going to cost them closer to $30 million dollars right? That's a lot. That's that's a lot that you were going to have to pay. 30 million plus, I believe. So his contract was going to be, you know, solid. But then when you add in the luxury tax, he was going to cost a lot. And so I don't know if this was something that was Palinka or Vogel saying, well, he's not that valuable on the court. I have a hard time believing that. But financially, I wonder if the Lakers just said, you know what? We make a lot of money. But even we have our limits and spending this much on, T on uh, Caruso is not something that we want to do. I'm sure if, look, if Caruso's going rate was $5 million a season, he'd be in purple and gold right now, right? The Lakers would, would love to have him. But obviously the finances were a concern in this situation. And you can argue that it shouldn't be. On a team that's supposed to be contending for a championship, you pull out all the stops, you spend what you need to in order to contend, and Alex Caruso would help you help you contend. I'm on board with that. I get it. I also just think, to play the other side, it's easy to say that when it's not your money. Right? It's easy to say that when it's not your money. Because let's face it, when we're talking about tens of millions of dollars, that's the kind of money that the vast majority, the vast majority of people will never see. The vast majority of people are never going to see that. So we think about numbers that big and it's just, I mean, it's, it's beyond the scope of imagination for some people, right? That's, that's the way it is. So it's easy when it's not your money and we're talking about tens of millions of dollars to say, oh, well, the Lakers have tons and tons of money. Just spend it. Again, easy to say, but maybe when your Lakers are actually going into their finances, it's a little bit more difficult.
Now, again, I'm, I'm on the side of, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm on the side of, they should have signed him. They should have paid the money and signed him because they want to contend for a championship, because you've got LeBron, because you're trying to maximize that window that you've got with him. So why are you putting in a stop at Alex Caruso? That's where you're holding things up, in addition to the fact that you would have had another trade asset on a decent-sized contract. That's a problem they've got right now. There's a lot of trades that they financially can't get to because they don't have the contracts to stack up to get there. So there's a lot of reasons why I think they should have done it, but I'm just saying the other side would be it's a lot of money to spend on Alex Caruso, and it's not our money to spend. Anyway, long-winded way to answer that question. Question I know I don't believe it was Rob Palinka's ultimate decision on whether or not to keep him. I think the finances were a big factor. All right. Appreciate all of you guys coming in, everybody coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. Thank you guys so much for joining me. As always, we do this after every single game. We're going to do it again when the Lakers take on the Mavs on Wednesday. Luka versus LeBron, always a lot of fun. So join us again for that one. Don't forget, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. We put out new videos every single day. Turn on those notifications as well. And if you guys want to find me on social media, you can find me at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter, at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram and Facebook. Till next time, see ya and stay safe.